Welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Christmas is over, and it is so much closer to baseball season. With that said, most of the offseason, it has taken place before Christmas. Well, did teams get what they wanted before Christmas? We have a couple of offseason updates that we're going to give to you today. How are we doing today, boys? Uh, pretty good. You know, um, feeling a little bit better than I did last week um, after all that drama. Steves, how are we doing? I am ready for baseball to come back. I'm excited for the World Baseball Classic. That's really what I'm looking forward to next. Yeah, so obviously as the next couple months kick up, we're going to go through pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training, spring training starting, spring training getting interrupted, hopefully not by a pandemic this time, and in fact, the World Baseball Classic. Um, I'm really excited for that. It was really exciting in 2017, and after seeing how the World Cup just went, it could get even bigger. Yeah, I definitely i am excited for basically baseball to kind of be front and center on in in the world's kind of scope because i mean it's the it's exactly like the world cup everyone kind of locks in on baseball for a couple weeks while while that's going on what what i wanted to cover was how i think the mlb can take advantage of this and really put it on a bigger stage because right now baseball is popular in america and it is growing at a very high rate i mean we looked at it it's actually growing faster than it ever has but i think taking advantage of, of it on the world stage would be the best thing for baseball. I agree. I think that you see how healthy the team's front offices are this year with the amount of money that they've been able to put into players this offseason. And that shows that baseball is healthy, but it can get even bigger. And if by some chance we can gain 10% more popularity from this World Baseball Classic, they see how exciting it is, they see the young talent, and they start to see the new rule implementation that's going to make the games go quicker. I think that we can reach a much larger international audience. I definitely agree. Absolutely. I'm it's 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 going to be a fun time to watch baseball, especially in March. Yeah. So obviously, March we know where some free agents are going. But last week, you guys heard us talk about it on Friday's episode. Carlos Correa did not go to the Giants. He failed the physical, and we woke up the next morning, you know, thinking that it was just going to be a couple of days of negotiating, and he'd end up on like a different deal. No, he's twelve years, three hundred fifteen million to the New York Mets. At least we thought. There's concerns over his physical once again. Tom, where are we going with this? You know, these organizations aren't aren't like dumb. I don't think I, I, they all know what they're doing for the most part. Unless you're the Colorado Rockies, you really know what you're doing up there. So it, it's not like it's not like they were just ignoring Carlos Correa just to, you know, anger the fan base. It wasn't it wasn't really, you know, it, it's not really their fault and it's not really the Mets fault either. Um, It's it's clearly a problem that that teams are noticing. It's not just like the small thing. I don't know if he's going to go out and hit like 305, hit hit 20 home runs, be like a gold glove shortstop again, you know, be, be at, like a top five shortstop in baseball. But clearly there's something wrong with Carlos Correa, and it's scaring teams away, including the Giants, who would want to be big spenders this offseason. I don't think they just gave up because they wanted to. Um, for me, like I was more looking at it like, what what is the problem? Like, overall, and it, I said it in the Sevs check, I think it's got to be like a back injury, right? Like, because like if it is, if it is like a back injury, right, there's not really any ways. Nah, but like, okay, again, I mean, that's a fair point, but you don't know that for a fact, right, Brad? Sorry. Okay. I do know that. That is being reported. So, okay. Steph, do you want to explain what they're, they're concerned about? So, 
Brad has this on our little note sheet that the lower right leg, um, which had to be surgically repaired in 2014 after he broke the fibula on a slide during a minor league game. So that's most likely the concern was over. But even if I point stance, if it was a back injury, there's not really anything you do about that. Like what if it if it is this this right leg injury though, right? Like you can kind of work around it. Like I mean, at least I think you could, but. Again, I'm not as smart as most major league front offices. I think the issue at like that's going on isn't necessarily that they're worried about the next three or four years with this leg injury. He has a metal plate in his leg, like to restabilize the fibula. You kind of need that when you tear a major leg bone, uh, or tear break a major leg bone. Um, but there is probably concern about aging on that because we don't really know what the aging curve is going to look like with someone with you know a prosthetic leg almost. Um, so I don't really think they're concerned about years one through four. I think they're concerned with five through 12. Fair. And that, and that makes sense. I think a 13 year deal, we would have looked stupid. You know, the giants would have looked even more stupid than giving up on Carlos Correa because a couple of years down the line, we'd be paying this guy 27 and a half million a year to just sit in his house. So I, I think maybe, maybe we're looking at a shorter term deal for Carlos Correa. I mean, this should be the most obvious situation. He's probably looking at a shorter term deal. Maybe more money, though. Um, I, don't, I don't know what, what Scott Boris can cook up, but um, I almost guarantee it's going to work out for him in his favor. It'll probably definitely be a higher AV, but it's definitely – I think he's going to end up going back to the Twins. I could see something – I could see him staying with the Mets on like a 10-year, $300 million contract, but with a team option after the fifth year. They're saying like, yeah. hey – like I, I almost front-loaded a little bit, like give him 32 to 35 for the first couple years. And so, like, the salary after is down to around 25. And, hey, is he still producing at a $25 million level? But there's also the risk of, like, if they don't pick up this option, you have 33-year-old Carlos Correa hitting free agency. He's not going to make five years $125 million. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, only, the only problem would be if Carlos Correa and Scott Boris would agree to that side of the deal. Um, but I think that's the only thing that he can take right now, unless he wants to just be like Michael Conforto and not play a season of baseball. No, that won't happen. That's not going to happen, though. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Friedman is somewhere in L.A. just cooking up a three-year contract with opt-outs after each year or something. Yeah. Um, the Giants didn't just sit on their ass, though. Once Correa went to New York, they went out and they got Michael Conforto, uh, injury guy, two years, $36 million. But I think that's – it makes more sense than people are just, like, giving the Giants, like, a bad ring for signing someone who just came off of injury – he came off of like an injury, not a something that could be career threatening. But Mitch Haniger also like strained ankle, got hit in the nuts, like fell the ball off his nuts. Yeah. Like those are just freak accidents, freak injuries. Carlos Correa, this is a surgically repaired. It could occur over time. Uh, and they also got Taylor Rogers to go with Tyler Rogers in their bullpen. Three years, $33 million. Tom, are you excited to have both the Rogers? Um, I think they're going to make me like, uh, pee myself every time they go on the mound but I, I think I, I like the Giants ability to develop pitching I think Taylor Rogers can make steps in the right direction I don't know if he's past his prime yet but he definitely has had some good years um, mix that in with a good um, pitching staff on the, on the Giants and you probably have a good a good pitcher probably not probably not a closer type guy but probably a setup guy um, I mean he's definitely better than a Jake McGee type of guy same type of pitcher same lefty <laughs> Um, and I think Michael Conforto is going to be more interesting to me. I think 
without being in the game of baseball for a year, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see, but he's only on a two-year deal. So the worst case scenario, he's gone in two years, but the best case scenario, we get a lot of production out of him. Yeah. And another big signing they were transitioning is Dansby Swanson to the Chicago Cubs, seven years, 177 million. Uh, we talked about it on Stev's check the other day where we broke out the details of the contract. He's only making 13 million in 2023, which I found interesting. Um, do you think that Dansby Swanson is what he was in 2022, or are we going to see some regression in Chicago? I think I think we're going to see some regression on the batting side of things. Um, he's been an elite fielder his whole career, um, but this 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 new fire on the bat the batting side might be might be just be temporary. I'm not sure. Um, the pop was crazy this year, though. He actually jumped up on the power numbers this season. I could see a reduction just of like the tangible stats just because the team around him isn't as good as it is in Atlanta. Um, but I, I, I do really like the signing for the Cubs. I really think they, I wanted them to go out and get uh, somebody like one of the major shortstops. I'm going to go after, after one of the three, obviously, or one of the four. Obviously, I want it to be Trey Turner, but can't get everything you want in life. Um, but overall, I, I think, I think the Danger Swanson is a good signing. And I think, Defensively, he'll stay pretty much the same, but offensively, you might see a little regression just due to the team around him. Yeah, you're looking at one of the best middle infields in Nico Horner and Dansby Swanson, like defensively. Hopefully, they can produce similarly because Nico Horner, honestly, with his projections, are projected towards Dansby Swanson's career average for next year, which is slightly below average, but still fairly good. Like, if you can get a Dansby Swanson uh for pre-arbitration and Dansby Swanson for 13 million you're looking pretty good to be the Chicago Cubs but the flip side of the coin is that eliminates the Braves from the shortstop market obviously they acquired Sean Murphy who's an upgrade offensively but will Von Grissom be able to fill the shoes of Dansby Swanson well I mean you said you said it yourself with the Dodgers let let the kids play I mean there's a lot of young kids on that team there's not as many anymore their farm system has gone bad because all the young guys are coming up now but you're seeing these young guys come up and they need to play somewhere. And Vaughn Grisham filling in the gap at shortstop would make sense. I mean, it's not going to be a DH. So I think, I think giving him a chance would make sense. Um, I mean, I'm excited to see what he can do. I don't know if he can fill Dansby's shoes, but I think you, if you give him time and obviously Atlanta's a very good team to come in and be your everyday type of shortstop. Um, I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, and there's also the fallback option of Brendan Shoemake. He's one of their top prospects in their minor league system. Obviously, you don't want to resort to that. You kind of hope that Von Grissom is what he was last year and being with Ron Washington over this offseason, he could improve defensively at the shortstop position. But with Dansby back on the Cubs, does Dansby's presence make them closer to a 500 team or are they still too many pieces away? I think they'll be closer to 500. Um, yes. I don't think that puts them above the Brewers or the Cardinals. I think they still finish third in the, in the Central. Uh, we talked about it on our Christmas wish list. Uh, I, we kind of structured the NL Central as it's it's the Cardinals on the top, and then Brewers and Cubs are kind of two, three, could go either way. But I think all of us agree the Brewers kind of have a slight edge. And then the uh, the Pirates are in the Reds are down below just kind of just there kind of biding time until they can build something but i i definitely i like the cubs direction i think their re rebuild is more of a retool right now and i think 
I think they're definitely going to be fun to watch in two years. Yeah, and I think that there's definitely a world where the Cubs finish in second. I see it highly unlikely that they finish in first. They have an opportunity to compete for a wild card spot if one of the NL East teams slips up. But then again, the National League playoff picture is looking really similar to last year as of right now. On flipping to a possible contender, though, the Diamondbacks, they made a huge splash in the trade market. I saw this tweet. It was by a Blue Jays uh, Lourdes Gurriel fan page. And he quoted the tweet of Jess Passon. Gabriel Moreno, the catcher prospect, would be going to the Diamondbacks in exchange for catcher outfielder Dalton Varsho. And they were like, I don't care who the other people in the package are. It turns out that other player was Lourdes Gurriel, and this person's heart was broken. Yeah, and he actually they actually offered to send him merch, the Diamondbacks. They actually offered to send this guy some merch. So that that's good on the Diamondbacks. Uh, I guess that guy's fan page is now uh Diamondbacks fan page. I think I think we're all gonna be kind of I think that they're definitely a a, a team where everyone's gonna want to watch and see, especially in these next couple of years. But I think they're gonna surprise a lot of people going into the season. They made a couple they've made a couple moves this this offseason and we've all We've all kind of talked about it, and we we're like, those are all really good moves for them. They went out, they got these two guys. Gabriel Moreno is can hit the ball extremely hard, and uh, I'm excited to watch. But that doesn't mean the Blue Jays lost this trade either. I think they, I think Dalton Var shows a very good asset to get. Yeah, and their lack of depth in the outfield was a risk for like there was a definite cause for concern when looking at the Blue Jays roster because they do have to stack up to the Yankees which now have Carlos Rodon. Obviously, literally, this is their first addition of the offseason. They made this huge Aaron Judge signing, but it just makes them the same team as last year. Carlos Rodon is their first addition. Do you think the offense will take enough strides forward that Carlos Rodon and his impact will be sufficient enough to keep the Yankees in first place? That is tough. That is tough. Um. They're such a mental team. If they get in their own heads, they're they're really screwed. They're really not looking good. But I, I think as currently constructed, on paper, they have the best team. I don't know if they're going to perform that way, though, because sometimes that's not how it works. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, yes, they'll finish first. I think as of right now, they will finish first. But again, you have to look at maybe injuries and stuff like that. But I think it's it's them or the Blue Jays, and then I know the Rays are just going to come out of nowhere yet again and just somehow come in first. But I just right now I think I think Yankees, Blue Jays, Rays, Orioles, Red Sox is how I would put the AL East. So same as last year, minus the Yankees Blue Jays swap. Yeah. Okay. So with that Yankees, it with that Yankees rotation, it looks very very good. It has an opportunity to be the best in baseball but it's not necessarily the best on paper at the moment. Carlos Rodon, you know, he came into 2020 getting dropped. He was a free agent. White Sox picked him up for a league minimum, and then he went and established himself in 2021, goes to the Giants and improves even further. And then he doesn't resign with the Giants. He goes to the Yankees. <laughs> when he had his press conference, he revealed his cleanly shaven face. Oh, my God. Would the power of a Carlos Rodon mustache – Push Garrett Cole and Carlos Rodon into first and second in Cy Young voting. What a question. What a question. 
He needs to grow a mustache because Carlos Rodon looks so weird without a beard. Like he looks like it, he's two, man. He looks it's like he's terrifying. Five years old. It's, it's, it's not. It's, it's the most terrifying face I've seen after being traded to the Yankees. That's a hundred percent true. But no, nah, Garrett Cole is really bad. Yeah. No, no. Rod- did you see Rodon's? Like, sh- I don't want side to, by but side. I, I stumbled it's, across it's it. It's terrible. Uh, but he needs to grow a mustache. I think. I think mustache Rodon might be better than uh prime randy johnson and uh you can quote me on that man he's gonna his his velocity is gonna jump up too he's just gonna <laughs> he's just gonna get to that next level he's just yeah. gonna put 10 steps forward so something that was actually interesting is tom you called this incorrectly last time yankee stadium is not a hitter's park it is actually a pitcher's park uh because the gaps it plays to defense the short porches allow for the Mickey Mouse home runs, but besides that, actually plays to a pitcher's park. Last year, Carlos Rodon allowed 12 home runs, but at Yankee Stadium, it only would have been six. Could he? Proof. The Yankees are better. The Yankees are better than the Giants. I mean, you didn't need proof for that. Um, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carlos Rodon in New York's a great move. It is probably the best move the Yankees could have done, obviously, outside of retaining Aaron Judge. What team is hurt the most by not getting Carlos Rodon? The Cardinals. It has to be the Cardinals. I think they they needed to get a star starting pitcher, and they just have not they have not come through yet. And there there are none left. So I mean, maybe Evaldi, but there's nothing left for the Cardinals. Bauer might um, be on the market. We can talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, I like the Cardinals pick. I'm just gonna go with the Orioles just because not only did they not get Rodon when they really needed a starting pitcher, but they also let him go to a division rival, which is not good for your chances of winning the division. Yeah. And so as we just mentioned, Trevor Bauer, his suspension was originally for 324 games for violating MLB's domestic violence protocol. Uh, obviously, this is a subject that is very, very sensitive because the allegations that are against him are very steep. Uh, independent arbitrator, arbitrator, independent of Bauer's legal team and MLB, found that Trevor Bauer should be suspended for 194 games. Basically, it means that there was sufficient evidence that he did what was accused of him, but it wasn't to the degree that MLB did. I heard this a couple that a couple nights ago. I want to say on Effectively Wild, the Fangraphs podcast, and they said MLB shot high because they knew that the suspension would get reduced. But if you shoot high and the suspension gets reduced, it's still the longest suspension in history. With Trevor Bauer's suspension going to 194 games, he will be eligible to pitch on opening day, but he will not be able to be paid for the first 50 games. What are you guys' thoughts? Um. I don't know how this is going to affect clubhouse presence. I don't know who's going to want Trevor Bauer, who's going to be okay with with picking up someone with such a bad record. And that's kind of the same reason we haven't seen Roldis Chapman go off the board. Um, you know, people with bad records outside of baseball don't tend to get picked up. I, he's going to get picked up. He's going to end up finding a team. But who do you think is desperate enough to get Trevor Bauer and to kind of be like – because if you, if you get Trevor Bauer, it's kind of like a – we're, we're so desperate for starting pitching, we're going to pick up someone with this record and, and kind of make us look bad. Do, do you think it's a bad look to pick up Trevor Bauer? I don't know if it's a bad look, but it's definitely not the look you want. 
you just said who's desperate enough. We literally just talked about the Cardinals, who are very desperate for starting pitching. A team that I want to talk about maybe picking them up when we talk about they need a starting pitching is the Padres, which would just throw more fuel into an already burning fire that a clubhouse is. But, I mean, either one of those teams seem pretty desperate for starting pitching right now, and the Padres are desperate for anyone because they've struck out multiple times this offseason, just like the Giants. I don't think the Padres would stoop that low. I don't know yeah. if they would, but they've they've swung and missed a couple times this offseason. Yeah. And so with Bauer being reinstated, the Dodgers until have until ironically January 6th to figure out what they're going to do with Trevor Bauer, if they're going to add him to the 40 man or release him. It is likely that they are to release him, but it's a little surprising that they haven't come out and just said they're going to. Obviously, they're kind of like taken by the fact that he was reinstated so quickly, but they had to have prepared for it at some point. Um. They can't let him pitch for that organization ever again. It'd be a horrible look for a franchise. Um, I, as a Dodgers fan, don't want him on my team because of what he has done. And they've based the Dodgers assumed the risk when they signed him. They assumed the risk of getting this huge personality who won't stop, even if it's in his best interest. Obviously, no one thought it would escalate to this degree of you know the conduct against him is trevor bowers personality too much for him for someone to sign i think i think we, we said someone is going to sign trevor bauer whether it be for a one-year one million dollar deal like i think personally trevor bauer just wants to play baseball at a high level again and some team out there will be desperate enough to sign him it's just a matter of time and I do agree. I don't think the Dodgers will pick him up or keep him or whatever it is. They they're gonna I, let him walk out of the free agency. I, I see him going to a, a like a non contender because if you if you have a contending team, then you you shouldn't be going after a guy like this. I I think if you have a, if we have a good enough core, there's there should be no reason you go after him. This should th- this this should just be a pickup for uh, someone to just eat innings. You know, um, he might be good. I don't know, but. Um, I see him going to like a, a team that falls at the bottom of the division. Like the Royals? Yeah. yeah, something like that. So, one more Trevor Bauer-related question. If Trevor Bauer comes back and performs as the best pitcher in the league, does he win the Cy Young Award? Yes. Yeah. He won't. I don't think he Even will, he but yes. he deserves it. He won't if 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 he is comes out and pitches like the best pit, he would need to have a historic season to win the Cy Young. I think I think awards look a little bit different than Hall of Fame. I think there's a little bit less to do with how problematic they are and more just purely statistics based for those like those Cy Young MVP rewards awards. Um, so I I I see it while being nearly impossible that he comes back at a high level. Um. I think that he will get votes if he has a good season. So given the idea of a story of a Cy Young MVP season, you don't think his would influence some writers in not voting for him? Um, Definitely some writers, but I think a lot of it goes into just numbers. I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to relate this to an example of, of another problematic player winning the MVP award or some award, but I'm trying to, I can't really remember. 
there's like there are a lot though. There's there you can go to other sports like I'm trying like 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 LeBron. LeBron was like so good for like it's not problematic, but like it's like LeBron winning over and over and over again, right? And you don't give him the MVP or like Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman didn't win like Defensive Player of the Year's a couple times because of just his problematic nature. I guess that makes sense. So shifting over to the AL Central, talking about the Royals possibly signing Bauer, the Chicago White Sox went uh, went and picked up Andrew Benintendi for five years, $75 million. I love this move. I don't think there's a team that he better suited, maybe the New York Yankees, than the Chicago White Sox. He's a contact bat who's going to give you a good at-bat at the top of the lineup. 2022 was his best year since 2018. And everything in the peripherals just looked good. I mean, yeah, this is this is the best move they could have made, anyways. I, I other than getting Abreu back, um, I'm pretty sure we predicted him to go to the White Sox, anyways, um, in our in our offseason predictions. But Benintendi, he just he was he was supposed to be a White Sox. I think that's exactly what they had to do. I think we've talked about it a couple of times. They needed a culture change, and you're definitely missing out or losing the guy like Jose Abreu is is really, really rough. But going out and getting a guy like Andrew Benintendi, especially in this this time where you need a culture shift, is is definitely going to be very helpful for the Chicago White Sox organization. Not only for clubhouse presence, but for the fact that Eloy Jimenez will most likely be able to sit every day at the DH spot. You don't have to play that chaotic outfield that he plays where he jumps to rob a home run, dislocates his shoulder, or anything of that nature. And you can have what should be a great young bat. Remember, Andrew Benatendi also, not the young bat I'm talking about, is 29. He's still got, like, you're getting his 29 through 34 season. That's pretty good. Like, to get that for $15 a year, obviously... You look at him and someone like Joey Gallo, who signed with the Twins, and a year or two ago, we're swapping those contracts. Joey Gallo is the one getting five years, $75 million, and Ben Attendee is probably getting the one-year $12 billion. But given the circumstances and today's market, Ben Attendee got a really good contract. Yeah, and I was kind of surprised to see him get a longer-term deal, and I think that's a good thing. That's a, That was a steal for the White Sox, definitely for how much they're paying them, too. Uh, and yeah, I... We've talked. We're gonna. I'm gonna say it again. We all like this deal. I think White Sox fans should be excited for Andrew Benatendi. I agree. A team that I don't know if I should be excited for. I say this every single year. Is the Los Angeles Angels? They signed Brennan Jury for two years, seventeen million dollars. But we don't know. It, every year, it looks like they're making strides in the right direction. Last year, they signed Michael Lorenzen, Noah Syndergaard. They brought in all this bullpen help in the form of Ryan Tapera. They extended Rysiel Iglesias. They got Aaron Loop, but it didn't amount to anything. Does this Brendan Jury signing cap off a successful offseason for the Los Angeles Angels? I think yes. I think you go out and you get Tyler Anderson, you get Brandon Jury. Um... Those are two pretty big names on the market. I think Brandon Drury had a very underrated season last year, and I think if he can produce at that level again, while also getting back Rendon, who should be should be healthy, um, and a team a team that that has a lot of talent. I don't, I don't know if Fletcher is good anymore, but because um, I haven't really watched the Angels, but he was good in 2019, 2020. So I'm curious if this team can produce. 
a lot of players were injured last year, so that was a lot of the things they were dealing with. But if you can get production out of your starters and a, maybe a breakout from Reed Detmers, you, you're looking at a pretty good starting five. I mean, it, it's it's a good starting five. Um, the bullpen obviously lost a big one in Iglesias last year, but um, I, I think if you can get the players to perform around Otani and Trout, I think they might be fighting for a wild card spot. I definitely think they can be fighting for a wild card spot. They also went out and got traded for Gio Urshela, which I think was a really good move because you can slot him at third base and maybe give Rendon some more rest days and have him play at DH and stuff like that. I was looking over the prospects, and they really don't have anybody other than O'Hop. Um, his, this will be his first real season coming up. Um, outside of that, they really don't have their two through everyone else's 2024 to 2025 with a couple 2026s mixed in. Um, but again, this season is going to be the most detrimental season, I think, for for the Los Angeles Angels. Because if they're coming towards the trade deadline, they might have to look at shipping Otani or even look about what what they could get for Trout or someone like that. Like the Angels are running out of time very, very quickly. Yeah. And Tom, you mentioned that they have a good five man rotation. The Angels are have been running with a six man because of Shohei Otani, but Shohei Otani is open to the idea of going to a five man. I think that would be great for baseball. Shohei Otani on a because that gives him a genuine opportunity to compete for the Cy Young Award. I think, again, last year in our voting, I voted for Shohei Otani like, as my first place vote for the Cy Young Award. That lineup, it has depth now. I think a trade that you guys are forgetting is the Hunter Renfro trade. Very um, underrated move, yeah. Right now, that lineup is Taylor Ward, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Tony Rendon, Hunter Renfro, Brenda Drury, Jared Walsh, Logan O'Hop, and Luis Renjifo. That's not a bad lineup. That's a good lineup. That if, that's if, a very good lineup. If if they all produce and they all stay healthy, that's a very good lineup. And I feel like we're forgetting how good uh, Renjifo's uh, – did I pronounce that right? Renjifo. Renjifo. He had a very good rookie season. Um, I, I think I think this is a good team. If they can all maintain health, I think a five-man would be very good for Shohei, Shohei's stats, but I'm not sure how it would uh, vote on his arm. Um, he has dealt with injuries in the past, but he's been relatively healthy the last two seasons. So I am a little curious if a five-man rotation, I mean, if a five-man would, would kind of alter that, that mix that, that Shohei has, but I think, I think he'll be all right. I mean, he's, he's, he pitched a full season last year and nearly, I mean, finished top five in Cy Young. So it's like, you're still getting very good production from Shohei. So. Definitely. I, I, overall, the, this Angels roster is, is one that we're going to have to look at. They're not going to win the West, not at all, but they're definitely, up there competing for who do we think the wild card spots are right now? I think we can write the Astros, the Mariners, and probably the Yankees into the playoffs. I don't okay. know. I think Astros probably division. Yeah. And, then, and Yankees 50 50, Mariners wild card. Yeah. And yeah. then what about in the central? There's the Guardians, Guardians who are most likely a playoff team. There's the Blue Jays that are most likely a playoff team. And so that so, puts us at five most likelies. Yeah. And so then you have the Rays, the, the Orioles, Rays, the, Orioles, the Angels, the Angels, and possibly That's the that. White Sox if they rebound. I don't think they will. That's to, to the level of, of, of playoff contention. I don't think the White Sox are going to rebound that much. 
I think the National League has higher level playoff teams right now than the American League, but the AL has a lot more teams that are going to be competing for a playoff spot. That's true. that's fair. Um, I think that the Angels need to capitalize on beating up on bad teams, which is what they've done. They've beaten bad teams and lost to good teams, except they need to establish themselves as one of the good teams. If you lose games with the Astros, that's fine. But you have to beat the Mariners. You have to split with the Mariners. You have to beat the Rangers. You have to beat the Athletics. You've got to beat pretty much everyone in the Central, split with Cleveland, and go probably 500 at worst in the AL East. And that's how you make the playoffs. I'm going to be very generous with these predictions coming up. Um, obviously, it's not going to be a couple months until we actually do the predictions. But um, you, you just you reading off that that nine right there. That's that's a pretty good starting nine right there. I, that, that was a lot better than I would have thought. It's um, just how long is that going to be on the field? That's the problem. That's the thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, if this team can stay healthy, I think they they could win. They can go far above five hundred. Like, I think, yeah. yeah, and is I think they they give me Phillies vibes if they can make the playoffs. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, if this team gets hot at the right time, it's for sure. I I definitely think if this team can get hot with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and with a healthy Anthony Rendon, I definitely think they can go very deep into the playoffs. Yeah, it's just their their issue is going to be who do you throw in game three? Like, as of that's looking at it from right now, because if you have this Reed Detmers breakout that Tom's been hoping for, you'd throw Shohei Otani, Tyler Anderson, and Reed Detmers. This is also counting on Tyler Anderson not regressing severely. Patrick, Patrick Sandoval. We don't know if he can stay healthy for more than 79 innings. That is true. But during those 79 innings, he's pretty damn good, though. Um, <laughs> you just told you, gotta, you gotta hope he makes it. Yeah. And last move that we kind of need to cover is the Phillies signed Craig Kimbrell <laughs> to a one-year, $10 million contract. I'm so happy he's out of L.A. Um, it's a fine move for the Phillies. They just better keep Sir Anthony Dominguez as their closer. Or is like their... They're Josh Hader. Like, deploy him in the most pivotal situation. Yeah. Because I think that's what... When Josh Hader was right with the Brewers, unless he was closing, uh, if he was if he wasn't being used in the closer role, he was deployed in the most pivotal situation. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and we saw Edwin Diaz be utilized uh, in the Padres series in the seventh inning, I believe. Yeah, he came in early. Yeah, like if you can deploy your best reliever at the most key time and have Craig Kimbrell to lock up the game, hopefully, then it's not a bad recipe. Yeah, I, I think I think the more depth you have in a bullpen, the better you're looking uh, down the road, especially you know, in that playoff picture, too. I mean, now they have like three or four guys that can actually turn to in those pivotal situations. Obviously, Sir Anthony being the number one guy, though. It's definitely not a bad recipe, not at all. Uh, with Sir Anthony and and Craig Kimbrough, I think that one-two punch in the bullpen can definitely help Philadelphia deep into. Uh, they're not. They're definitely not going to win the NL East. We talked about it. Um, they're probably going to be. I still think they're the third place team in the East, but they definitely are going to fight very hard for a wild card spot. Yeah, and they know what it's like, and they also know what it's like to lose. They were so close, but destiny did not arrive. I was trying to quote Thanos, but I slipped up on the quote. Um, but the Phillies, they are very close to competition, like competing once again for the World Series because they added. They didn't lose. They added to last year's World Series team. 
They added Trey the Turner. Old, yeah, the, the only problem the only the only no, problem yeah. is the only problem is Bryce Harper's surgery and that yeah. kind of delay into the season. I think I think they're gonna get that jump midway through the season when he when he joins back, but I think the the most pivotal months are gonna be the beginning months for the Phillies because if they can start hot and then they get Harper back, they're gonna stay hot. Um, if they're starting below 500 by the time Harper's back, it's going to be all for nothing, you know? Yeah. I think that they are also a team that has to feast. All the good teams need to feast on bad teams. That's a given, but more so the teams like the Phillies teams, like the diamondbacks teams, like the angels, they need to beat the bad teams and pretty, and do it pretty handedly. We talked to Aiden went on, uh, what what were we doing? It was. What podcast was it where he said that the Guardians were going to go 23 and four against the bottom three teams in yeah. the AL Central? I don't think that the Phillies are capable of doing that against bad teams uh, because that's unheard of. I don't think anyone's <laughs> capable of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, if the Phillies can do something along the lines of 17 and 10, they've done their job. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Do you guys have any final thoughts or things you want to talk about? No, I don't think so. I think I'm 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 good. I'm chilling as well. All right. Thank you all for listening to the 4A Baseball Podcast. We'll be back on Friday. If you want to interact with us at all, be sure to check us out on Twitter, TikTok, Reddit, or wherever you communicate on social media. Let us know your thoughts. Baseball is going to keep happening. We'll be in, on TikTok every day with our steps checks and any big updates or any spun spliffs or clips that we have happening. If you've enjoyed, please leave a rating or review, or if you have any suggestions, we will see you all next time on the 4A Podcast. Peace.